Save Your Bible Study class on Tuesday night. It's good to have you all tonight. Praise the Lord. Goodness gracious alive. Praise the Lord. What a, what a, what a time to praise God. Thank you, Lord, that we're alive. Thank you, Lord, that that's standing up. And thank you that we got a car we can drive in. And thank you, Lord, that, well, that we're well, that you provided for us. Lord, we're so grateful. What, honey? Oh. oh, yeah, another thing, of course, I couldn't not tell you, you know, how grandfathers are, right? I could not tell you, but Cheryl and I, as grandmother and grandfather, one more time, today at 1.13 p.m. this afternoon, we had a six-pound, nine-ounce baby girl. You know, she is a precious little thing. Yeah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I mean, Mama and... And uh, Mama's doing real good. Daddy, he's having some problems. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They were all doing real well. Uh, one thing about Maraca, uh, my son's uh, wife, she said, I'm, I, it won't be quite so difficult this time because I know a little bit more about what to do this time. She said, last time we went home, I didn't have a clue. It was her first baby. This is the second one. So they had a little boy last time, and he's a ball of fire. And now then they got this beautiful little girl. Oh, I'll have to tell you all, you know, today, when I held that little girl in my arms, six pounds, nine ounces, that's almost exactly the same as my daughter. She was six pounds and uh, about six ounces, and I held that beautiful little girl in my hands. And, of course, I had to reminisce for a few minutes and go back, you know, 28 years ago when I held her in my hands like that, that same way. And then, of course, I thought four years ago, you know, I lost her in a car wreck, you know, and she was killed. So, you know, you don't never know, do you, what today holds, what tomorrow holds. On this earth, we've got to walk by faith. We've got to serve the King. We've got to be ready because nobody knows what tomorrow holds. Nobody knows what today holds. I mean, just like that little life, you know, I do not understand that. That's the furthest thing from my understanding to think how that... Two little tiny microscopic cells can come together and nine months later be a beautiful little child like that with those beautiful little fingers and fingernails and that little long black hair, you know. And just, she was one hour old when we got there. We got there and she was one hour old, you know, and got to hold her. Both of us got to hold that precious little thing in our arms and watch her yawn and open those little eyes and look out and you think, oh God. How just a matter of a couple hours ago, she was inside of a womb in a sack of water, you know. And now then, she's outside and she's breathing air. I don't understand that, how all that transfers, but God is awesome. He's more than awesome. But what an awesome God we serve. That's all I can say. I'm so grateful uh, for those little grandbabies and how great they are. So, and I think about the battles that we've had to fight uh, you know, my, of course, my oldest granddaughter, uh, three and a half, well, almost four years ago now. Just, it's amazing how time does go by. But four years ago, I sat in the hospital with her out of a car wreck, you know, with the brain stem severed, eyes jerked out of the brain, skull crushed in five places, all these bones broke around her face, face tore all to pieces, lungs crushed. 
right knee crushed, left leg broken in two places, and every doctor said, it's over. She cannot live. It's over. And I said, I'm not buying that under no condition. Not with the God I serve and the promise He made me in the Word. I said, not only is this little girl going to live, but she's going to run and play, and she ain't going to have a scar on her body. Oh, let me tell you, she's seven years old today, and almost every day she runs Grandma by the hand half a mile to the mailbox and back. I mean, she's a wheeling, dealing little girl. And to think that faith in the Word of God is why that little girl's alive. Faith in the Word of God. Without faith or without God or without His Word, I could have never done what I've done for Caitlin and Kelly. But the magnificent thing about it is not only was Caitlin restored, Kelly, her healing was more miraculous than that. For her, she might not live. If she does brain damage in two and a half to three months before she can walk with a walker with two crushed pelvics, and in two and a half weeks, she's running and playing back in school. Do we serve an awesome Jesus? I mean, He's an awesome Jesus. Tonight, we're going to talk about some of these things that we've learned about how to get these kind of things done. When I read these scriptures that we're going to read tonight, I only pulled up six pages of scriptures today for to start in this teaching on faith. You know, I went to the Word of God, and I don't look up in the King James Bible on the word faith. And I found out the word, of, the word faith, F-A-I-T-H, is used in the King James Bible in the Old Testament only two times. Only two. But it's used in the New Testament 245 times. Wow. Isn't that something? Amen. And the just, which is us, shall live by faith. Boy, when you really begin to get a hold of what that means and what you can do, then you can see God do those wonderful things. But to think about that faith, that faith that brought Caitlin back from the dead and fixed her completely without a scar on her little body, and then also fixed Kelly. Also saw that same faith raise seven other children, terminal, technically from the dead, at Cook's Medical Center four years ago, and saw four babies walk, or seven babies, go home from that place that was not going to live. And it was all done by these promises that I'm going to talk about tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus. We praise you and thank you for the Word of God, which is forever settled in heaven, which you have exalted your Word above all your names. And you can't lie, but you tell the truth. And then you give us this great and awesome, magnificent book that we don't believe. Lord, I'm having a hard time believing these promises myself as much as I've studied it. I'm obviously not where I want to be. But Lord, I know the goal. And I know the potential. And I know what's possible if I can learn to totally walk in 100% faith and do what you say in your word. And they're unlimited. Nothing is impossible to those that can learn to walk in faith. So Lord, help us. Reveal to us the Word of God. Fill our hearts with a burning desire to be the men and women of God that will walk with you and do what you say 
so that people around us, because of a demonstration of the Spirit's power in each one of us, may they know that we serve a living God. So they will want this wonderful God that we serve so we can help snatch them out of the devil's hands and bring them over into the kingdom of God. And these last days, help us, Lord, to save millions and millions of people. Oh, Lord, that's what you came to pay the price for so we could all be saved and healed and delivered. You came to set the captive free. Thank you, Father, for your word, which is the only book in the world that teaches us about these things. As we talk about your word tonight, give us revelation and wisdom and knowledge and understanding of your mighty word as we talk about faith. Thank you, Father, for your word. We bless you and praise you and worship you. And Lord, I just want to thank you again for that beautiful little granddaughter to give me today. What a little sweetheart. But thank you for all my grandbabies, Lord. They're all sweethearts, all three of them. I thank you for all of them, and I praise you for them. Now, Lord, bless us as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Faith. Deuteronomy 32.20 in the King James makes this statement. This is what you do not want to hear the king say to you. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very forward generation Children in whom is no faith. You don't want to hear God say that to you, do you? No faith. So we see this has been a problem from the very beginning. Way back in Genesis and Deuteronomy, where this was in Deuteronomy, right in the beginning of the Word of God. We see that these people have the same problem that we have today. No faith. No faith. If you have no faith, like I didn't, if you had asked me as a Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher and a deacon and all those things years ago, do you have faith? I just said, sure, I have faith. I have great faith. I didn't know what the word meant. You know, I really didn't. I just thought I did. I did not know what the word faith meant. I had never seen a miracle. I didn't expect to ever see a miracle. I'd never seen a healing. I didn't know God still healed today. Nobody had ever told me. I never saw one in church. You know, so why should I think God done anything? I'd been in church all of my life and never saw a miracle or a healing. Not one time had I ever seen anybody that could tell me they had a direct answer to prayer. Never. I mean, they might say, well, yeah, we all gathered together and and uh, Uncle John, he was come down with whatever, and, and we prayed for him, and, and he went down to the doctor, and he had 30 chemo treatments, and, and his cancer is in remission. So that's an answer to prayer. No, that's not the God I'm serving. The one I serve don't need a doctor. The God I'm serving, he can knock that cancer out just like that with one prayer of faith. You don't need no chemo. You don't need nothing but Jesus. If you got him, then you're not one of these people. But this is where I was in the church, and I think this is where a large majority of the people in the church are today. Still, we have no faith. None. We don't know what it is. And then he says in Habakkuk 2.4, this is the only other place in the King James the word faith is used. 
It says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now that's you and me. The just are supposed to live by faith. I didn't have a clue what that meant. That statement's used four times in the Word of God. And it's in Habakkuk, and it's in Romans, and it's in Galatians, and it's in Hebrews. But that word right there, that statement, the just shall live by faith. That's you and I. Those that are born again, redeemed by the blood, we have made, been made just as if we had never sinned. So that's us, the just. We are supposed to live by faith or by the Word of God. Whatever the Word of God says, that's where we're supposed to be able to walk as Christians. But it's unfortunate that if you were a normal Christian like I was, a, church, a Christian that was in church every time the door was open, every Bible study that was there, I mean every visitation, every Wednesday night service, done everything, worked on every committee, I mean just covered up, saturated in God in the church and still never saw God do not one single thing. Didn't know how. Because I didn't know what this book said. Read, read it, taught it, but still didn't know what it said. Now then, today, it's an entirely different book to me. This book is an entirely new manual when I begin to see it in the light I see it today. But the next one we're going to talk about here is Matthew 6.30. Matthew 6.30 says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. I couldn't even have considered myself a person of little faith back in those days. I was one of those he talked about in Deuteronomy. I had no faith. None. How can you tell if a person has no faith? You listen to their confession. That's the way you tell where they live. Now then, the one thing I've learned... You can never rise in faith above your confession. Now then people say, well, you know, I confess my sin. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. You and I as Christians, once we get born again, technically speaking, if we were taught correctly from day one what the Word of God says, the Word of God says we're supposed to die to sin and never sin again once we get saved. But I didn't know that. Nobody ever taught me that, and I certainly didn't pick up on it. I'd read some of those scriptures, but they had not become a revelation to me. I had no idea that the goal for you and me as a Christian is perfection. We're supposed to be perfect in God's sight. We're not supposed to sin. I mean, the scripture tells us this over and over and over. I wonder how I missed it. I wonder how God could have put that in His Word so many times, and I missed it so many times. I don't know. I guess between the flesh and the devil, it was just something else. But now that it looks like everywhere I read in God's Word, He says, don't sin. Walk holy before me. You know, walk in perfection. You know, use me as an example. In me there was no sin, so that's the goal for you. No sin. And I think, wow, how did I miss all this? And then He says, if you do sin, which you should not, but if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ, which you can come and confess your sin, and He will forgive your sin and restore you to righteousness. But technically speaking, we as Christians should not have to go around sinning all day and then confessing every evening. 
When you kneel to pray at night, there should be nothing for you to confess. You ought to be worshiping and praising God. You shouldn't say, well, Lord, I did this wrong today, or I did that wrong today, or I got mad at so-and-so, or I held a grudge against sister so-and-so because of what she said. No! Those should not be the way you should pray at night. You should be worshiping and praising the King. Say, Lord, I thank you that today I had a great day. I served you. I walked holy before you. I was an obedient to your word. I didn't allow the devil to get through to me nowhere today. I walked holy in your presence today. And Lord, I led this boy to Jesus. And I led that girl to Jesus. And I got this man healed or this person healed. I got the devil kicked out of this one. I was about your business on the earth. That's where we should be living as sons and daughters of the Most High God. That should be a normal, everyday life for an average Christian. You know, we ought to be walking in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Because we should have faith. But the Lord says here, when it comes to clothing us, and people say, oh my goodness gracious alive, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have prayed and prayed and prayed, and I sure hope I can trust God. If He don't show up this week, I don't know what I'm going to do. i got to have some money. i got to have some new clothes. They no faith in nothing. You can tell by their confession, they have no faith. In other words, if you need some new clothes, you ought to do what I do in the ministry center. Now, I mean, since I've learned how to walk by faith, let's just say that we need some new equipment. You know, here a while back, we needed some new equipment. And, of course, the Lord always sends enough money into the ministry to pay all the bills. I've never had to borrow any money to keep the ministry going. But now that I'm fixing that to buy a whole bunch of new VCRs and a whole bunch of distribution amplifiers and a whole bunch of stuff, and I need about $10,000. I didn't ask nobody, not a single soul. I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, I need about $10,000 to buy all this equipment. I said, so Lord, your word says to ask the Father in the name of Jesus anything and it's done. So I said, Lord, thank you for the stuff. Thank you for the money. It's done. Well, normally I get three. Back in those days, I'd get two or three or four letters a day from people, and some of them have five, ten, fifteen, or a hundred dollars in them, or whatever. But I waited four days before I went to the mailbox. And I went to the mailbox, and it was one letter in the mailbox. Four days, and had one little letter. That almost caused me to wane. I said, Lord, I ask you for ten thousand. Normally I get three or four letters a day, and it's been four days, and there's one letter in there. I said, but Lord, thank you. I took the letter, ripped it open, Pulled out, had one check in it. And guess what that one check was for? $10,000. Exactly. Paid for everything we needed. See? I mean, but is it, is, it, is it easy for you to wane? Oh, yeah. You know, but, you know, when you, you open that drawer, now if that thing had had a hundred letters in it, I could have easily seen, wow, there's a packed up deal. There's going to be 25s, 50s, 100s. Well, we can get 10000 out of all this, Lord. But when you go up and there's one envelope, I mean, maybe what that cause you to kind of waver a little if you're not careful. Yep. So you got to realize, hey, God don't need but one person to see one envelope. He can send you a million if he wants to. You know, so you got to get over this stuff of wavering, just like he says here. Oh, you have little faith. I mean, did not, don't I provide for you? So why should you worry about anything? You belong to me. You don't belong to yourself. All you got to do is speak something in faith. And it's done. So, when you get to where you can believe the Word of God, you'll never go around speaking negative. I don't care what happens or how bad things look like they're going. You'll continue to speak in faith. And it will bring God on the scene. Now, He's never late, but He's never early. 
And he's always on time. And that's kind of what puts you and me to the test sometimes. I'd like to, you know, I'd like for him to be a little early sometimes and, you know, come in and everything be set up and everything done. Because, you know, when you, when you step out there, you know, and you don't see nothing under that foot, you know, you got a little bit of solid ground here, but you look at one foot in front of you and there's not anything out there. And he says, son, go ahead and put your foot out there and put it down and there will be a solid footing for you. Now, let me tell you, that takes faith when you say, okay, Lord, and when you lean over, you know if it ain't there, you're going to fall. But if you really trust in Him, it'll always be there. It'll always be there. You can really trust Him and stand on His Word if you really have faith. But we have little faith. And many, many people have little faith. And little to none. Now then... Let's go on here and go to Matthew 8.10. Look at this one. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Anybody remember the story in Matthew 8 that when the centurion came to Jesus? And, you know, he come up there and he said, Master, he said, I have a servant at home with cerebral palsy. Jesus said, good, I'll go and heal him for you. Isn't that amazing? And we today don't think Jesus wants to heal anybody. And he wants to heal us. He wants to do his compassion. But we've got to have faith. And that man said, no, 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 absolutely not. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. He said, I'm a man under authority. I speak to these servants and they obey me. I'm a man of, of authority on the physical world, and I know you're a man of spiritual authority. You just speak the word, and I know my servant will be healed. And the man, Jesus, looked at him and said, Wow! I have not seen such great faith, not in all Israel. And this, this guy's a Roman soldier. And you know what he told that guy? He said, Go, as you have believed. So shall it be done unto you. See, there's a tremendous message for you and I right there. Do you know? We have faith in everything that's negative. You let something come upon you. Do you know what the average person will do today in the church? <clears throat> I'm going to take, of course, I had this little attack myself only a couple, two, three weeks ago. I'll tell you all about it so I can, I can stand on my own uh, life test, you know, more so, and some of the people that ministers, and I let some of them see my leg, but I didn't let them all see my leg. But Sunday night, a couple of weeks ago, we went home to church that night, and it was about 11 o'clock time we got back at the minister center, and I'm sitting there reading emails at 11, because Cheryl and I, we, we spend a lot of midnight hours reading emails, packing packages, and all kinds of stuff. We, we work about 18 hours every day, seven days a week. But anyway, I was sitting there at my desk reading emails, and all of a sudden, my left leg, from the, about the knee down, just felt like it was on fire. Did oh, something just sting me, or what's going on here? So I jerked my britches leg up and jerked my boot off, and right about my ankle, up over halfway up to my knee, all the way around my leg, was just blood red. I mean, blood red. And there were spots on it. It looked like it was fixing to break out and start bleeding through the skin. It looked awful. (laughs) 
Um, this is where you find out what you're made out of. This is when you find out what you're made out of. If you're a man of faith, you laugh. And you say, oh Lord, just another attack from the devil. Lord, I'm so glad that you defeated the devil 2,000 years ago. I'm so glad that you bore my sickness and removed my disease. I'm so glad that you give me power over the enemy in the name of Jesus. And you just come against him with it is written. And then you put your boot back on and your sock back on. And you keep reading your emails till 1 o'clock in the morning and answering them and everything. And then you go over to the house and you go to bed. And your wife comes over there and she goes to bed with you. And the next morning you wake up and she wakes up and you say, Oh, by the way, honey, if you don't mind, would you have a look at my left leg down close to my ankle and see if anything's wrong with it this morning? And she says, Well, what do you mean? I said, Well, last night it didn't look real good. But I prayed over it. I want you to see what it looks like. So she jerks the cover off your left leg. And she looks at it and she jumps back and says, Wow! What is this? And then the next thing I know, she reached down and grabs my leg and says, Come out of him, you devil of hell, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> now see, that's the kind of woman to have, guys. When you got one like that, you know what most of them will do that don't have faith? They'll run in there and say, Give me the telephone, 911. My husband looks awful. That's when you find out whether you're a man or woman of faith. Or do you believe God's promises and you know who the devil is? Or do you panic? Well, I'm telling you, I used to be the guy that would have panicked. I can assure you, but not anymore. So, Cheryl, she drove the devil out of me there for a few minutes. She prayed and rebuked the devil, and then I called a couple of my friends. They came over. They all laid hands on me and prayed over me, and a couple of days later, I was in perfect shape. I mean, everything went away. I never went by what I saw, not one minute. Not one minute did I go by what I saw. Now, if you go by what you see, you're not a man of faith. You don't believe the Word. If we believe God's Word and He said, I heal as my children, if you'll repent of your sins, I promise to heal all of your diseases. What did He leave out? So why do we run to a doctor every time something happens to us? Because we don't believe this book. Do we, Brother David? We don't. We don't believe the Word of God. Jesus made us all these wonderful promises. I mean, he has just given us a book full of awesome promises. And I think it's time the church of the living God, I really think it's time we start believing him and seeing his glory. I mean, uh, I don't know, I guess Don's driving. And Don's not here tonight, is he, Billy? It's on his way home. It's like the other day after I'd prayed for uh, Gary and uh, the Lord healed him and he was a thousand miles away up in Salt Lake City. I was telling the story Well, she jumped up and says, well, Don just fell and broke two ribs, and he's at home in pain himself. So I stopped right in the middle of service on Sunday, and we prayed the prayer of faith for Don right there. And on Sunday, and he had broke two ribs, I guess that day or the day before. The day before, wasn't it, Billy? Yeah. And Tuesday, he's in Bible study. And by the next Sunday, he's running around here raising both hands and said, there ain't no pain or nothing. See, now we prayed the prayer of faith, and Don did not go to the doctor. I don't think. No, he just broke those two ribs and, and uh, he was in real severe pain. But he's learning how to walk in faith also. And when you learn to walk in faith, you learn how to pray in faith, you get to see God do wonderful things, don't you, Gloria? I mean, but you've got to learn to pray in faith. You've got to have some faith. You've got to believe these promises and that they are to us the children of God. But that old devil, 
He'll always say, when you look down at your leg and it looks like that, the first thing is say, ooh, look at that. Don't that look awful? Yeah, it looks awful. But I ain't going there, devil. I am not believing your lie. I know you're the one doing this to me, and I know that Jesus conquered you 2,000 years ago, and I am not yielding to that devil. I'm not going there. Because if you do, if you do, let me tell you, when you doubt God's Word, you've just sinned. And you've opened the door to that devil. And that devil which was there that's been defeated 2,000 years ago that can't do a thing to you technically, he puts that symptom on you trying to be able to attach himself to you. And if you don't sin through unbelief, he cannot stay there. He cannot stay there. He has to go away. But most of us don't believe God's Word. So we have little or no faith. Then the Lord says here in Matthew eight twenty six. look what he says here after he's talking about the centurion. He had great faith. Now, that's what he ought to be saying about every one of us as church members. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, the king ought to be saying about us, his children, we have great faith. Every one of us should be children of great faith. Now, it took faith to get saved. That's the only way you can be saved, by faith in the Word of God. Now then, if it took faith for you to get saved, then what is the problem? The problem is really not a lack of faith as much as it is a lack of knowledge of what the promises of God are. Most of us as Christians don't know the promises of God. If I were to say, you know, the Lord told us over in Second Peter, and He told us that, or First Peter I think it is, he, chapter 1, not Second Peter chapter 1, he says, Peter says, by these great and precious promises, by these great and precious promises, and through the knowledge of these great and precious promises, you shall become partakers of the divine nature of God. Well, now, if we look at that and think about the divine nature of God, do you think in God's divine nature there's any sickness or disease? No, I don't think so. I don't think, I mean, that's just like, how many people have you walked up to in your life that were Christians? In church. You walk up and say, hmm, Debbie, you look a little pink around the eyes today, girl. Are you coming down with the flu or something? I mean, have you ever heard Christians talk like that to each other? Sure, you used to do the same thing until you learn how to not to do it, right? And so, then Debbie turned around and said, yeah, would you pray for me? I really don't feel very good. I must be coming down with the flu. It ain't gonna do no. It ain't gonna do no good to pray for Deborah. Ain't no gonna do no good to do nothing. But whenever we see something like this beginning to come upon us as a Christian, the minute we sense something like that, and somebody says, "You know, don't get too close to me. I'm coming down with the flu, and you'll catch it too." I mean, I had a young boy in a Baptist church here a while back. I was shaking hands with these young men, all 18 to 22 or three year old class. And I'm coming down through the hall there. I'm shaking these boys' hands and saying, Hi, good morning, young men. How are you all doing today? And I got that one. And he pulled his hand back and said, Sir, I can't shake your hand. I said, Why? And he said, Well, I've been sneezing this morning. And I'm coming down with the flu. I said, I don't, I don't know what the flu is. I don't have no faith in the flu. The flu can't touch me at all. I said, Give me that hand, son. And he stuck his hand shuck it. I said, You know, when you learn how to walk by faith, you won't never have to worry about catching the flu again. I said, Your confession is what's killing you. See, when you're confessing that you're coming down with the flu, guess what you're going to have? The flu. That's exactly right. But if you're confessing by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed, 
by the stripes of Jesus. He's given me all power and authority. He defeated my enemy 2,000 years ago. Praise God. And I'm never going to be sick. I'm not going to let that devil put nothing on me. I'm going to stand in faith. As long as your confession is confession of the Word of God, you'll never sin and give that devil any legal right to make you sick. That's unfortunate for me that I didn't know these principles for the first 45 years of my life. So I had the flu and colds and everything else. And you know, every time, every time uh, a little cold snap would come along or something, you know, I might have, if I happened to go outside back in those days and get a newspaper out of the yard or something, I run out there and I get cold grass. I said, oh my gosh, I'm probably going to come down with the flu walking out here in this cold grass. And guess what? I come down with the flu. Well, just what I thought. I got the flu, Michael. Didn't know I'd spoke it on myself. But since I, when I learned the truth of that nonsense, I can go running across that ice on my bare feet, skate on that stuff, anything I want to. Them devils can't put that stuff on you no more. Praise God. Once I learned the truth, 20-something years later, not a sick day. Not a sick day. I'm telling you, it's better to learn to walk in faith than it is to walk in unbelief. Because unbelief will put you down sick in the hospital and everywhere else. But when you walk in faith, really walk in faith, and you really got this in your heart, you don't ever have to be sick no more. I mean, I wrote, I read an article the other day. I went in. You might, it's kind of interesting. I thought, you know, I will just uh, type in my name on the command line on the Internet and see what happens. Wow. I couldn't believe how many times I'm in there. Man, my name was in there thousands of times. And there was one guy, I went to read some of these articles, and one guy, he was a professor at some seminary here in the Dallas area. And he said, this guy's Scrivener. You know, he says you don't ever have to be sick again. But he said, you know, he's crazy. He said, everybody's going to be sick. And I thought, you know, isn't that amazing? His confession is wrong. And so he's going to be sick. He's confessing he's going to be sick. And I'm confessing you don't have to be. I bet that guy's been sick many times and I don't ever get sick no more. So <laughs> all I'd like to do is sit down and talk with him. I don't know. He probably wouldn't listen to me. But I would like to sit down and tell him this is what the Word says. And since the Word says it, I think we ought to believe it. Don't you, brother? Amen. I mean, if God said it, that's good enough for me. Now, if you said it or I said it, that's something else. But if God said it, then we need to believe it. You know, and so that's why I kind of base everything I do on the Word of God. And when I do, wow, do we get to see the Lord do some wonderful things. Hallelujah. Now then he says here, uh, Matthew chapter eight twenty six. This is an awesome story. I'd like to go back and talk about the whole thing, but it takes too long. But he said unto them, Why are ye fearful? O ye of little faith. They were men of little faith. It says, Then he arose, and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. What do you think the king is trying to tell men? Do you think that the average man that's walking in obedience to God's Word, that's a son of God, can rebuke the winds and the sea and see it do the same thing? Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. If you have faith, you can. Gotcha. Now then, if you say, well, I'm going to try this and see if it works for me, <laughs> you might as well stay at home, hadn't you, brother? Right. But if you stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, 
you win, be still in Jesus' name. Isn't that amazing? The other day, everybody would say this was a coincidence. Cheryl and I went somewhere on an airplane. We were flying on. It got real bumpy. And Cheryl looked over at me and she said, you know, you need to pray. I said, I've already taken authority over it. We're going to just, it's going to be just as smooth as silk. And it did. And when we come in, when we come in, when we did start to come into land, it was real rough and real bumpy and everything else. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, kind of out loud, I said, put me an angel on each wingtip of this airplane and let it just squeak on where you won't hardly even feel it when the wheels touch. I said, thank you, Lord. And that pilot made the most beautiful landing. I mean... That wind was all of a sudden the airplane just leveled up smooth, and we just you couldn't hardly tell when the wheels touched. Somebody had been watching that, they said, No, yeah, sure, you you know, you it was just a coincidence. No coincidence when you speak it in faith. You have angels sent to your charge. They're there to help you. And if you have if you're a man or a woman of great faith, you can call those angels in and they will help you. Then he says with faith, I, th- I think about faith. I've told you all this story before, but I still think about that email that lady sent that had the husband that was the unbeliever in Oregon and had a 7 and 11 year old boy. And daddy, unbeliever, told the two boys to go out empty a 100 gallon water tank, stainless steel water tank, which was brimming full of water, which weighed about a thousand pounds, so they could move the trough into another horse lot. So the two boys went out there thinking they could tilt it up and empty it. But they found out they couldn't. So they put a board under it and a block and tried to do that, and they couldn't move it there either. So then one of them, both of them, but the older one, happened to think, Hey, little brother, you know we've been watching the Pastor Thurman's tapes, and he says we got angels. And he calls them, and they work for him. So he said, Father, in the name of Jesus, send me an angel. He said, Angel. He said, Lord, thank you. He said, Angel. When we get a hold of this tank, we want you to help us turn it over and empty it. Thank you, angel. said, thank you, Father, for the angel. He said, okay, little brother. The 7-year-old gets on one side. The 11-year-old gets over to the other side. And the two of those boys turn a 100-gallon, 1,000-pound tank right up on edge. And the water pours out. And Daddy almost has a runaway. Yeah. <laughs> How did you boys do that? Oh, it's simple, Daddy. We listen to this pastor from Dallas that talks about angels, and he talks us, tells us that we have these angels. We used to, we just asked the Father in the name of Jesus to send us an angel, and the, Daddy, the angel helped us turn the tank over. Now, Daddy couldn't see that angel, and the boys couldn't see that angel, but let me tell you, Lucky, if an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old turned over a tank and weighed 1,000 pounds, somebody was there besides them. No two ways about it, right? Yeah, that's right. You and me couldn't have turned that over either. That's right. Guarantee we couldn't have. But what can we do by faith? If you have that kind of faith, and you just think the faith of a child. Them boys had been listening to me teach on angels. And can you imagine the simplicity of their little lives that they just believed what they heard a pastor teach from God's Word, and they acted on God's Word. And God showed up. Isn't that amazing? By faith... When they called by faith, the Lord says, Sure, my boys, I'll send you a big warring angel. He'll have no problem taking one finger and tilting that thing right up for y'all. And let Daddy see what happens. That would be something to an unbelieving father, wouldn't it? 
that's a problem. Boy, we got that email from the mother, and she said, my husband just absolutely, he just don't understand what happened. He just doesn't understand this. I think, Lord, you're so awesome. What you can do. Now then, uh, let's see what, uh, and, and we're going to go to Matthew 9, verse 2. We, we look at that little faith. Why are you so fearful? You have little faith that he rebuked the winds and the waves, which we should be able to speak to these things ourselves and get this done. No problems. In fact, I heard right there, I guess it would be a great place to tell you the testimony of one of the people that came to see me the other day. He said he had uh, relatives that was over in Mississippi somewhere, and he said they lived in a mobile home park. And he said they were walking in obedience to God's Word. They had been listening to some of your teaching and said they believed it. And so they said, well, we're going to leave. We're not going to stay here. We're going to go north a few miles, you know, to get out of the path of this. But we're going to ask the Father in Jesus' name to leave angels in charge of our home. And when we get back, our home will have no damage in Jesus' name. He said they went, and when the storm went, and it came back, they came back and said every mobile home in the park was totally, totally destroyed. Theirs had the skirt off the bottom partially tore off. The rest of it was totally intact. Is God awesome? Praise the King. That's that's the way we as Christians should live. The just shall live by faith. And when we do, then no problem. We can stand by faith and see God do these wonderful things. Then he says in Matthew 9, 2, it says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy. Lying on a bed, and Jesus seeing their faith, their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins be forgiven thee. Now what did the Lord have to do before the boy could be healed? Had to forgive his sins. So what was it that put him in that sick bed? Sin. What is it that makes anybody sick? Sin. Now then... The moral to the story is, don't sin, right? Walk holy before God. And he couldn't be any clearer than he is in Psalms 91, where he says, if you will make him the Most High God your dwelling place, and you will say of the Lord, he's my strength, he's my refuge, then he says, he will rebuke the devourer for you, the devil, the the fowler. And he says, then no sickness shall come near your dwelling place. None. I like that, don't you? No sickness shall come to your house. And then he says in 1 John 5, 18, he clearly says that you and I should not sin. My true children, he says, do not sin. They keep themselves holy. And he says the evil one, which is Satan, in 1 John 5, 18, cannot touch you. Isn't that a wonderful thing to So, we don't want to sin as Christians, do we? So, if we sin, we open the door to the devil and he comes by to knock your feet out from under you to put you down with something, sickness and disease. So, the church has got to learn we are to become that holy, righteous instrument so God can use us in a mighty way. We need to make ourselves clean and pure and holy and purge ourselves from all iniquity like the Lord told us in Timothy so that we can be vessels unto honor fit for the Master's use. 
Which if you're not, if you're not willing to purge yourself from all sin and all iniquity and all evil, you will not be able to be used by the Master as a vessel of honor. And I don't want to be a vessel of wood, hay, or stubble. I don't want to be used there. I don't want to be saved as by fire when I get home. I want to be saved because I had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and I walked in obedience to His Word. And I, I, want, to, I want to be known as a person that does something for the kingdom while I'm here on this earth. I don't want to be a, just an old slothful servant. I want to be somebody that God, when, when I do get home, He can put His arm around me and say, Well done, son. You've done a good job for me down there. You went through a lot of battles and strife. But you allowed me to work through you, and you got a lot of things done in my name. Well done. Come in. That's why we want to be come in, right, Debbie? Praise God. But you see here that these people brought this boy to Jesus, and he looked at their faith. Now, first of all, you don't carry a young man that's got cerebral palsy into a place in the place you brought him to is so full of people you can't get him in and you go out and you take a ladder and you crawl up on the roof and you take some shingles off of the roof and you let the boy down through a hole in the roof. You don't do that unless you believe something's going to happen. You don't do that. You don't get up on Saturday morning at 5 o'clock and get on an airplane and fly to Houston and change planes and fly to Corpus Christi and get there at 10 o'clock with a woman with terminal breast cancer supposed to die in a week unless you know for sure in your heart that God's going to heal her if she'll believe. You don't waste a day like that. But when you get when someone somebody calls you on Thursday night and says, I've got a friend that just called and said goodbye. She's supposed to die in a week or, or within the week. If I buy you an airplane ticket to Corpus Christi Saturday morning, will you go down there and pray for her? Well now let me tell you, if Saturday's your only day off as a working person who wants to come in at 12 o'clock midnight and then get up at 5 o'clock and drive down to DFW, get on an airplane, fly to Houston, change planes, fly to Corpus, have a man meet you and then go to somebody's apartment you ain't never seen and teach that couple the Word of God for five hours, then pray for that woman, get on an airplane and make that same trip back and get back at 10 o'clock that night. How many of you want to do that? None of us. But let me tell you, when you do and you go in faith and you get to see God instantly heal a Baptist woman, instantly, I'm telling you, the trip was worthwhile. It was worthwhile. Praise God. I mean, that was an awesome trip. But to see a woman that hadn't had a bite to eat in three weeks, I'll never forget Judy's look as a Baptist woman and her husband, Don, I will never forget the look in that Baptist couple's eyes after five hours of teaching them the Word of God. When I looked over at her and I said, Judy, she's this little woman, I, she had been a beautiful woman. But now she's down to 80 pounds, eat up with breast cancer, going to die in a week. That's what the devil does. And after I'd taught them the word and they got all their sins repented of, I said, have you heard enough of God's word to be healed? When I'll never forget that little woman. When she looked over my eyes with fire in her eyes. A Baptist woman. She said, Thurman... You come over here and cast this devil of hell out of me and I'm going to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Woo! Is that the kind of faith the king's looking for? That's the kind of faith the king's looking for. I walked over there and anointed that little woman with oil on the head and commanded that devil to come out of her and a little woman hadn't had a bite to eat in three weeks. Gets up off of her deathbed. 
She gets, uh, puts the rest of her clothes on. She goes down and gets in that car, walks out that car, goes down them stairs, go out to the airport with me and her husband, walks me plumb to the end of the terminal, walks all the way back, gets in the car, and on the way home stops and has a fried shrimp dinner. It was instantly, completely, totally healed. Now, I'm telling you, I mean, if you're going to go do something, you got to know who your Jesus is. You don't go pray for somebody like that. You don't spend from 5 in the morning until 10 at night unless you think God's going to show up. Do you, Keith? No, but if you know He's going to... That's a day real well invested if you think God's going to show up, right? That was a day invested I will never forget in my life. The, the king honored my faith, didn't he? I mean, he honored me getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, driving down there, you know, and making that trip. And then teaching that couple five hours the Word of God. And then casting that devil out and seeing that devil leave. Wow. And then six months later when the people that asked me to go and paid for my ticket, they went down and spent a, a week with that couple. And when they come back to my Sunday school class in that Baptist church where I used to teach a Sunday school lesson, walked in that Sunday morning and said, Thurman, look at these pictures. And they handed me three or four pictures. of. I, I said, man, I know that guy. But I said, who's that beautiful woman with him? I knew exactly who that beautiful woman was. Judy had gained her weight back to about 125 or 130 pounds. And I mean, she had a smile from ear to ear. And she was as beautiful as any woman you can imagine. You'd never know six months ago she weighed 80 pounds, went on her deathbed and going to die in a week. But whenever sins are repented of and faith is up mountain high, this is the kind of faith. The king, he says, I looked at their faith. Now, she had some faith. But he knew I had a lot of faith. And he honored my faith of going and kicking that devil out of that woman. It's so wonderful to see what God does when you have faith. When you have faith. Wow. And he saw their faith and said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And he did the same thing for Judy that day. He forgave her sins and he delivered that woman and healed that woman. I mean, that's such an awesome thing. I got back to Dallas and that woman, I didn't know she had stopped and had a fried shrimp dinner until the next morning. But she called me the next morning and said, Thurman, praise God. She said, on the way home, I told Don, I said, honey, I hadn't had a bite to eat in three weeks. I'm completely healed and delivered. Pull in right there. There's the best fried shrimp place in town. We're going to have a fried shrimp dinner. And she said, I eat fried shrimp. And she said, the next morning, Thurman, when I woke up, I went to the bathroom and everything in my body worked perfect. You know, that's a blessing too, isn't it? When's the last time you went to the bathroom and said, Lord, thank you that everything comes out like it's supposed to? Well, if you haven't, you need to. Because, you know, when it does, praise God. You just don't, I mean, you take that for granted. We take that for granted. But that's a blessing. You know, something's got to work, isn't it, Michael? If it don't work, we're in trouble. But a lot of people never praise God that their bowels work for perfect. You know, we ought to thank Him for everything. He said, do everything in thanksgiving with praise and worship to the King. Because this is a body and everything in it needs to work good. And when something don't work good, let me tell you, it don't take long to find out if something don't work just right. You start hurting. And sometimes I'm sure these things happen to us because we do not worship and praise the King like we should. I mean, you know, many of us will go sometimes days and weeks and never say, thank you, Jesus. We get up in the morning like a bunch of pigs. You go in and sit down at the table, you know, it's... Eat it up and slop it up and don't even say thank you, Jesus, for the water or nothing. You know, it's like 
we don't appreciate it. I can see him now trying to bask us with beautiful moonlight at night saying, you know, just look up there and thank me for that beautiful moon. And you might look up and say, oh, isn't that nice? Yeah, okay, Lord, isn't that nice? You know, or drive down the road and you're driving down the road and you got this beautiful car and you got gas. Instead of thanking him that you got money to put gas in it, all you can do is complain because the gas prices are too high. You ought to thank him you got money to put gas in the thing, even if it is $3 a gallon. Praise Him and thank Him. He might make your gas run twice as long. He allowed me to run by faith one time. One time when I fuel pump went out on my car, the Lord by faith allowed me to drive my car two solid hours with a broken fuel pump and the gas gauge didn't go down not one drop. I drove a car two hours one night on a Friday night from 9 o'clock till 11 o'clock and covered over 100 miles with a broken fuel pump. And didn't use any gas, but yet the car run beautiful 50 miles an hour for two hours. By faith, I operated in faith. When you got great faith, that's what you can do. Great faith. And the just shall live by faith. And the just shall live by faith. So instead of grumbling and complaining next time something happens, start quoting the Word of God. Stand on the Word and believe it. I don't care what the enemy tries to throw at you. I don't care what he tries to do to you. Don't never believe him. Always believe the promises of God. Because they're always yes and amen. Always. Now, don't do it like some people do. little woman comes up and said, Thurman, I don't know what's wrong. I know the promises of God are there. I've read them. I've listened to your tapes over and over and over every day. But... I still got this pain. And I'm still taking my medicine. And I've got an appointment next Thursday to have surgery. I sure hope God heals me between now and next Thursday. Guess what? Chances are you're going to still need to go to the doctor next Thursday. Your confession is wrong and you have no faith in God's Word. You're just not there. I know I was one of those people for a long time. I've been there. But if your faith is, well, the Word of God says this. The Word of God said, if two of us on earth agree about anything, it's done. So my wife and I, we agreed in faith. She's confessing I'm healed. I'm confessing I'm healed. I don't care what my leg looks like. It may look awful, but I ain't going to no doctor. I've already been to the doctor, the great physician. And he made me a promise. He said, my faith, he said, if two of us on earth agree about anything, it's done. And in 2 Corinthians 1.20, he said, all my promises, if you're in Christ, are yes and amen. So it can't fail. I don't care what my leg looks like. It's healed. I couldn't care less. Let's go do what we want to do. And you just go do what you want to do. And one day you look down and, hey, praise God. It's manifest. It's gone. No problems. No redness. No marks. No nothing. It's done. Well, it had to be because Jesus said it was. He just didn't say when. He said it would be. So that's why whenever you pray for somebody, you take, like Kelly, with those big old scars across her head. You know, she didn't like those scars. She had her bangs growing down right here because that little precious girl, six years old, she don't want them two big old scars where her head was busted open in an accident. She don't want no scars on there. But how many people in the church, doctors can't take off scars. They just sew the skin back together where the skull busted open. But Jesus said in John fourteen thirteen, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, it shall be yours. 
So therefore, ask the Father in my name anything, and you shall have it. John 14, 13, 14. Do you not believe that? Well, see, I did. And I told Kelly, if she would believe that, I guaranteed her on the word of the living God, if she would believe with me, Jesus take them scars off her head. And we prayed the prayer of faith. And then here's the way you can tell where the little girl's faith was. I told her, I said, honey, you got to believe God. Oh, Mr. Thurman. She said, I believe God. You pray, I know it's done. Well, see, that's the right kind of confession. Well, the next morning, she goes running into the bathroom. Flops her bangs up and looks and says, Mama, look, just what I thought. They're not as bad this morning as they were yesterday. Now, that's the right confession, isn't it? And guess what? 30 days later, guess what? No scars on that little girl's head. They're both completely gone. Today she's nine years old, she's beautiful, and does not have a single scar. But even Caitlin, that big one she had under her chin, the Lord took all of them off her face in two weeks. But the big one under her neck, I prayed over that scar regular for two years with no doubt in my heart. And then one day, she walked up beside my table, and I reached up under her little chin as she walked up there, and I said, Lord, I want to thank you for taking that scar off and I didn't feel it under there. Whoa, I throwed her little head back and granddaddy done a couple of double backflips. It was completely gone. It's completely gone. See, the promises are God a yes and amen. But He didn't tell you when He's going to do it. So you don't never doubt Him and you'll always get your answer from God if you don't doubt Him. Now, if you go to doubt Him, oh, you pray over something you say, well, I prayed over that for a week or even a month and it's still there. So I guess it's not God's will uh, I guess it, he didn't hear my prayer. I mean, that scar is going to be there forever. It's going to be there forever. But if you stand on his promises and have great faith, then he will do what he said. Wow. Then, and let's go to another one. Uh, Matthew nine twenty two. Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. We know the story of the little woman that said within herself, If I can but touch the hem of his garment. She had the issue of blood for 12 years. She said within herself. In other words, she thought. She was thinking. She's not even saying it out loud. If I can but touch the hem of his garment... I know I will be whole. And when she touched his garment, guess what? You know, when you think about thoughts, I think about two magnificent stories I've heard recently about thinking. And one of them was my honey bunny. The other day we were coming to church and she looked over to the farmer's market and she saw these beautiful peaches over there. And she said, in herself, she didn't say out loud, she said, Lord, how I would love to have a peach today. She thought that. We got to church, and a wonderful lady in this church had brought Cheryl a sack with five big, beautiful peaches in it. And she only thought. I know, I know, there she is right there. But see, isn't that amazing how God moved on her heart? Cheryl thought, as we passed the farmer's market, Lord, I would love to have one of those big, beautiful peaches. And then, of course... This precious lady back here, for some reason, God moved on her heart some way. And when we got to church, there was five beautiful peaches. And they were really good, too. They were really tasty. But 
another lady in this church was telling me just last Sunday, she said, Thurman, one day I was sitting out in the front yard and I was watching all these squirrels play in the trees. And she said, I was thinking, and I was not speaking out loud, but I said, Lord, I have never seen a baby squirrel. I sure would like to see a baby squirrel. She thought this. Didn't speak it. And she said, in just a few minutes, I turned and looked, and there's a little teeny baby squirrel coming right across the porch. <laughs> little bitty thing. And I just sat there and thought, wow, isn't that awesome? Now, do you think God can perceive your thoughts? <laughs> Absolutely. The king can perceive your thoughts. Just like this woman that thought, if I touch his garment, I will be healed. She was thinking the right thing. So when she reached up and touched him, power flowed out of him, and he recognized it, and he turns and he says, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. What is it that we need to receive from the king? Faith. Without faith, you're in trouble. This is a faith kingdom that we live in. And if you're like I was, most of my life, I as a Christian had no knowledge of what faith was. That's why I never saw God do anything. Now, can you imagine the other day, just a few weeks ago, I mean, we've seen many miracles and healings and things since then, but this one was an awesome one that whenever a man calls me, that is a doctor, and he's fell out of a tree and broke his back, and I don't even know, I I don't ask him what, if he's a Christian or nothing. I just tell him, I said, you don't have to be in pain. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you, and Jesus is going to heal you. And so I prayed the prayer of faith for him, and then I said, Lord, according to Mark 11:23, you said, I can have whatever I say with my mouth if I believe with my heart. So I said, Sir, I guarantee you Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, has healed you, and your pain is gone, and you're well. I said, Thank you, Father, for your promises. And I hung up the phone, and God instantly healed that man. And he was in Salt Lake City on the telephone. And then on top of that, he was a Mormon. He was a Mormon. Isn't that awesome? You think God will heal somebody? He'll heal anybody you can have faith for. He sees your faith in His Word. He'll heal anybody that He has that you have faith. He'll do what you ask Him. Anything you ask Him by faith, He'll do for you if you really believe it. I think about a... I won't use this minister's name. He probably wouldn't mind because I heard him tell it on national television myself. But he is a man of great faith, I will have to say. He really is a faith teacher. But he said one day they were having a party, a Christmas party or something, and at one of the homes and the people had a big, beautiful pool. And they told him, one of the guys told him, said, you know, you're a man of great faith. And he said, yes, I am. I'll, I'll agree. I have great faith in God. He said, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you had enough faith to walk on that pool. He looked and he said, I have faith to do that. I have that kind of faith. He didn't even take off his coat. He had a three-piece suit on. He said, I can walk. Of course, they got everybody's attention. He said, brother so-and-so is going to walk on water. He said, Lord, you know I have that kind of faith. You know, Lord, I've been preaching your word for a long time. You know I have that kind of faith. He goes running out there, and he hits that water about two steps on top of it, and just sinks plumb to the bottom. 
as he's going down, he's burbling. He said, Lord, what is this? You know I have faith. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and said, son, you were just showing out. You were just showing out. See, you can't fool God, can you? You can't fool the king's son. You were just showing out. You know, isn't that awesome? Now, that man did have great faith. I will have to say, he does have great faith. But he didn't have enough faith to walk on that water. But he was going to show out a little for the people. And by doing that, he was going to put God to the test. And the Lord didn't let him do it. And he says, as I was bubbling, coming up, saying, God, what happened? He said, he spoke to me just as clear as a bell. He said, son, you were just showing out. Oh, we can't fool the king. You can't fool the king. He knows if you have faith and he knows when you don't have faith. Then he says here, Matthew nine twenty nine. There's an awesome statement in this when the blind man's trying to get Jesus to heal him. comes up, Master, I want to be healed. It says, then Jesus touched their eyes saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now then, when he asked him, do you believe I can do this? You know what they said? Yes, Lord. Now then, you know what we say? We're going to bring you in and pray for your healing. Well, what scripture are you going to use? Well, I don't have one. Have you been in the Word? Well, no. Do you believe Jesus will heal you? Well, if it's His will... If, it, if it's His will, He might do it for me. Is there any use to pray for that person? Not a bit. Hey, nothing's going to happen. They have no faith. If people don't have faith, then you're going to have to find somebody else that has faith or nothing's going to happen. Now then, if none of them have faith, and this is what really blows me away, when you take some of these magnificent promises, what God says, what He will do, and then we walk up as pastors and pray the prayer of faith like this. Now, God, if it be your will, will you please meet so-and-so's need or will you heal so-and-so? And nothing happens. And then, of course, we say, well, you know, it wasn't God's will to meet your need this time or it wasn't God's will to heal you or whatever. But Sunday night when that little lady came up here and I said, she, I said, what, what can I pray for you for? Well, she told me what her problem was. I said, well, ma'am, I've never seen you here before. And she said, no, this is my first time. I said, well, how did you hear about me? She said, a lady where I work, I was telling her about my problem. And she said, oh, gee, if you got that problem, you need to go over to the Living Savior Church and have that pastor pray for you. Said, I had a heart problem and no doctor could fix me. And I heard about him and I went over there and repented of my sins. And he laid hands on me and prayed for me. She said, I've been healed ever since. Now, see, when people get healed, then they tell their friends, right? And so the friends come over, and if they'll repent of their sins and believe God will heal them when you touch them as His representative, what will He do for them? Same thing. He'll heal them the same way. Now then, what if they come over here saying, Oh, I hope He'll heal me when you touch me. I'm not sure what He's going to do. Well, they better stay for a little more teaching, hadn't they? They better stay for a little teaching first. And if they get their faith built up, and then they say, Yes, I know it's God's will to meet my need. Praise God. And when you say... I know it's done. Bam. In faith, he'll do it. Every time. Just like he said there. Then in Matthew in, yeah, Matthew 9, 29, after he touched their eyes, he said unto them, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to whose faith? Theirs. Now, what if they didn't have any faith? Then they ain't going to get nothing, are they? According to their faith. 
The church needs to become an entity that is a faith-believing bunch. We need to believe this book. We need to believe these mighty promises. And if we do, every time you ask God for something, of course the things will have to be within His will. But I will have to say, if you're a born-again, Spirit-filled Christian, you will never pray a prayer of faith for anybody that's not according to God's will. You won't voice stupid things of the world. Not as a Spirit-filled Christian being led by the Spirit of God, you'll never do anything that's contrary to the will of God. You just won't do it. Now, if you're living in the flesh, somebody might come up and say, Well, gee, I want you to pray the prayer of faith for me so I can win the lottery this week. Well, now let me tell you, those people are led by the world. That's not the Spirit of God leading that person. Not at all. But if that person come up and say, You know, I want you to pray the prayer of faith for me that I'll have $5,000 coming this week so I can give the whole $5,000 to the uh, Katrina uh, uh, refugees or something like that. If they can believe that'll happen, you pray the prayer of faith for them, I guarantee God will bring that in, and then they better do what they said they were going to do with it. They better not keep part of it. If they said it and pray in that, and they're going to use it, they better use it the way they said. Because God's in control. You know, you don't want to lie to God. You know, and we, we know an example in the Word of God where two people, a man and a woman, lied to God about money. That was their money. They could have done whatever they wanted to with it, but they didn't. They lied. And it cost both of them their life. Bam, bam. Just like that. So, I mean, that's an example. Can you imagine when it says after the woman died, it says, And great fear fell upon the church. I bet there wasn't many liars after that for a while, don't y'all? I, I, Whoa, David, don't you dare tell a lie. Remember what happened to Sapphira at Ananias? You know, I mean, that, that'd get our attention, wouldn't it? I've said this a many a time. I, if, we were, if we were to have, since the Lord tells us in the Old Covenant, we're all to tithe. But most people in the New Testament church, so many of them, at least everyone I've been associated with, 15 to 25 or maybe 30% max are tithers. I wonder what would happen if the preacher said, you know, under the Old Covenant, God demands a tithe. And it did, didn't it? But he tells us under the New Covenant, we're to give. But now giving don't start till the tithe ends. So you give 10% and then you're going to give a gift. Okay, how much? He said, well, according to the way you've been blessed. You know, if you've been blessed abundantly, he said, then give abundantly. If you've been blessed a little, then give a little. But it all starts after the tithe. So you say, okay, in church, we got 100 people, 500 people, or whatever we got. We're going to let you all come down to the altar here one by one and lay your uh, offering in the envelope down here. Remember, you're giving this to God now. This is His. So you make sure that if you made $100 this week, you got at least $10 in that envelope. If you made $1,000 this week, you got at least $100 if you want to give an offering, then over and above. And the Lord told us we're supposed to give an offering. So you might want to give $110 or whatever. But anyway, that's between you and God. But you have to give the tithe. Now, don't lie to God because He's in control. Now, let's start right here on the front row with the first person. You go down and take your offering envelope and you lay it down there. And thank the Lord for the privilege to give. And you do that. And you walk back and sit down. You get the first row and then the second row. And the first guy goes down. He lays his down, turns around, takes one step and falls dead on the floor. 
I guarantee if the pastor goes up and looks, he well, he's dead. Goes up there and looks and picks his envelope up. It says, well, it says he made $1,000 last week. He opens the envelope and there's only a $20 bill in there. Oh, he said he lied to God. Oh, he said, okay, no problem. Now, didn't we find out what happened when we lied to God? Next. <laughs> you reckon that have an impact on the church, brother? Yeah, I guarantee it would. It would have an impact on the church beyond our wildest dreams. I mean, if, if, I mean, if God were to do, if He were to give us what we deserve, there would none of us be here. You know that? Not a single one of us would be here. He would have kicked me out a long time ago. So I'm so glad He's merciful. I can tell you for sure. But I will say, we know His mercy runs out. We see, we see what happened to New Orleans. I mean, God's mercy over that wicked city ran out. And he sent a devastating judgment upon that place. And I don't care what anybody says. I've heard people say, well, the devil did that. Well, I'm going to be in agreement with you. The devil did it. But I'm going to tell you, the devil don't do nothing without God saying, okay. He whipped that devil 2,000 years ago, and that beast can't bat an eyelash until God backs off and lets him do it. He is in control. So if God speaks and says, I'm going to bring judgment upon New Orleans, and He did in just a few days, and then if you stop and look at all the things He does every time we do something against Israel, you look and see what happens. You know, I would think that our boys up there would finally get a hold of this fact that every time they try to give land, something devastating happens to the United States. You would think after 10 or 15 times they'd finally wise up. But I don't know what's wrong with them. But somebody needs to talk to them. Of course, I don't have an in into the White House. But some of you may have. If you do, you need to tell Brother Bush. You know, I saw him on TBN last night. Did anybody see him in the White House last night on TBN? You saw that? Well, they were having some music and everything. And they had TBN broadcast from the White House last night. I thought, boy, what a perfect time for somebody to get up and say, Brother Bush, don't you know this is why we're being wiped out? Because you're making the wrong decisions. But nobody said anything, so I don't think that we know. I really don't think the average Christian knows. But you know, it seemed to me like over in the book of Genesis somewhere, pretty close to the beginning, I read something where God says, to all them that will bless my nation Israel, I will bless. And to all them that will curse my nation Israel, I will curse. I don't know about you, but that's pretty clear to me. You know, you better find a Jew and shake his hand and say, praise God, let me tell you about Jesus. You don't want to curse them, that's for sure. Then he says here, in Matthew fourteen thirty one, and this is an awesome story, I've told this many times, about Peter walking on the water. <clears throat> and Peter said, Lord, if that's you out there on the water, let me come to you. And what did the Lord tell him? Come. One little word. Come. So now then Peter's got to act. So if God said one word, come, and Peter acted and it happened, if he give you a whole bunch of promises, if you act on them, what do you think is going to happen for you? Same thing. It's going to work for you. Because after he told him, it says, and he went out there and says, immediately, of course, Peter, after he began to see the storms and the waves and everything, took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. 
And it says in verse 31, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O you of little faith. Now, I don't really want to hear the king say that to me, do you, brother? O you of little faith, wherefore didst you doubt? You know what happens when you get these principles? When these principles become a reality to you, that if you stand on God's mighty word with no doubt in your heart, He will do exactly what He promised every time. He can't lie. I think about when I use a verse with this kind of faith. Think about what Mark eleven twenty four says. Whatever you desire. What is the limitations there? Nothing. When you pray, believe you've received. And it shall be yours. You see, with those kind of promises in God's Word, I don't think there's a human being alive on the face of the earth today that believes this book in its entirety. I know I don't. I'm trying my best to get there. But I've never met the person that believes this book. But when I think about that Mark eleven twenty four, when I think about the valve in my granddaughter's throat that wouldn't work, now we'd I'd prayed that prayer five times at least and and waited the doctors told us when we left the hospital, they said the valve in her throat don't work. So said you'll have to feed her. We put a plug in her stomach. So you have to plug this little machine in and you pump this liquid food into her stomach because the valve in her throat don't work. Okay. I mean, I'd seen the Lord restore everything else whenever they said she couldn't live. And so I think, no problem. Mark 11, 24, we'll get the valve fixed in her throat. So I pray the prayer of faith for the Lord to fix the valve in her throat. And I thank Him and praise Him and worship Him for two months for fixing the valve and then we take her back to the doctor, and the doctor checks it, and it doesn't work. And we do this for ten months, for five times, every two months. And after the fifth time or the tenth month, the doctor said, the valve will never work. I told him I did not receive that curse in the name of Jesus. I went back home, and I said, Lord, somewhere I've missed it. My faith is not working. Where did I miss this? So I went back to Mark eleven, twenty four, and I read it. It says, whatever you desire. That's pretty clear. I desired the vow to work in Caitlin's throat. He says, when you pray, believe you've received. Not two months later. So see, I was sinning. I was not believing the word by faith. So I had to repent and tell the Lord I'm sorry that I didn't believe his promise. And so after I repented, and then I take the verse again, and now I ask the Father in the name of Jesus to fix the valve in her throat. And I say, Lord, thank you. It's done. We said, when you pray, believe it's done. Is that what he said? So if you believe it's done, what do you do? You feed her. But the doctor said, if you feed her by mouth, it's going to run into her lungs and kill her. And we just come back from the doctor... The fifth time in ten months, and it has not worked a lick. So I know it doesn't work. Is this going to put your faith to the test? 
at that time, that was my only grandbaby. The only one I had. And I prayed that prayer of faith. And I fed her. And the valve worked perfect. And it's been working perfect ever since. Is he an awesome God, Dean? He's an awesome God. But see, that's what separates the faith people from the non-believing faith people. You know what the average faith person in church would have told me if they'd have been there when if they'd have been there when I was going to do what I'd do. You know what they'd have been jumping up and down? Thurman, you're a fool. You're crazy. She's going to die. Can you only imagine? Can you imagine? You see what it takes to walk in faith? You've got to believe God even unto death. There are not many faith people left, is there? No. But that little valve has been working perfect for nearly four years now. Perfect. She eats anything she wants to. And when Grandma takes her out to Brahms for ice cream <laughs> and a chocolate milkshake, let me tell you, she can clean up on a chocolate milkshake. Sucks that thing right with that straw, but yet for ten months of her life after that accident, that valve in her throat checked every two months did not work. And then I was willing to repent of my sins of unbelief and pray that prayer one more time and believe the Word of God over what a doctor said to the point that I would feed her. And I did. And she's been eating ever since. And then... Six weeks later, we went back to the doctor after she'd been eating for six weeks and they checked it and they confirmed it was working perfect. Well, the doctor says, wow, I would have never believed this. After 10 months, it didn't work. All of a sudden, it started working. He said, now you can start feeding her again. I said, we started feeding her six weeks ago. That's why it works. And they think you're a fool. Absolutely. But see, did Jesus say the just, which is the church, is supposed to live by faith or according to the Word of God? So why can't we believe the King? We can? Amen. I'm on your side. I'm on your side. Praise the King. Then he says in Matthew 15, 26, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman... Great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thy will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Think about that magnificent story in Matthew 15. Matthew 15, 28 is the verse. But in Matthew chapter 15, the whole story about where the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, my daughter lies at home vexed with a demon. Will you please come and heal her? And he don't even look at her. He just keeps right on walking. And she keeps begging and pleading. And Peter says, Lord, you want me to tell her to go away? She's bothering you. And he don't say nothing. Somebody said, Jesus wouldn't do something like that. Well, he did. And then the woman came and fell at his feet and worshipped him. That's the first thing she did right. You want something from the king? What's the first thing you need to do to the king? Worship him. I don't care if you're young, old, what. 
If you want something from the king, you better fall on your face and worship the king. And this woman worshipped, and when she worshipped, he stopped. And he stopped and she said, Lord, my daughter lies at home vexed with a demon. Will you come and heal her? He said, I didn't come to nobody but the children of Israel. You're a dog, woman. You're a dog. She said, I know, Master. But even the dogs get the crumbs that falls from the Master's table. How many women do you know? And if a man says, you're not nothing but a dog. How many women you know that would say what she did? I don't know many. But that woman come to get her miracle. And she didn't care if the king called her a dog or what he said. She was going to be in agreement with him. And look what Jesus said to her. O woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will. Now, why did she get that miracle from God? Because she worshipped Him. She fell at His feet. And it didn't make her what was said. She still was there with that loving, kind heart of worship. And so He said, as you will. Even though I didn't come to you, I came to the nation of Israel. Go home. Your daughter is well. And the woman went home and found her daughter delivered from the demon. Wow. Is He an awesome God? But see, He don't do things like we think all the time. You know, most people, most people don't see Jesus like that. You never think about Him like that. But I'm just reading what the Scripture says. He didn't appear to be that kind, gentle, compassionate Jesus. Who would have ever thought He would have called her a dog? But she didn't retaliate, did she, Debbie? She just continued to worship Him. And because she did that, she got her answer too, didn't she? Yes, she did. Then here we get then the next one we have here is Matthew 16.8. He's talking to the men whenever he's telling them to bring the bread. Matthew 16, 8, he says, Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because you have brought no bread? O you of little faith. What had they just seen Jesus do with bread? He had just fed how many thousand? Four thousand one time? Five thousand another time? And both times with just a little handful of fish and bread. A little boy's lunch fed thousands of people. Can you imagine the kind of faith it takes to find a little boy there and get a loaf of bread and a fish and holds them up to the Father and blesses them and say, Father, I know you'll do anything I ask you. Now then, Lord, thank you for feeding all this multitude. And he takes that fish and says, Come here, Peter. Bring me a basket. And he throws in a fish. And there's another one in his hand. He throws in a fish. And he throws in a fish. And he throws in a fish. And there's another one in his hand. 
And he said, oh, by the way, now let's get a basket here for the bread. And he's got this loaf of bread, and he throws it, and there's another one. And he throws it in, and there's another one. And he throws it in, and there's another one. And his hand's always full of bread. His hand's always full of fish. And then all those thousands of people eat, and then they gather up all those basketfuls left. How did he do that? By faith. By faith. He knew they were going to be there. Ma'am? Yeah, isn't that awesome? It's awesome what we can do by faith. I'm telling you, the Lord in these last days before His return, He is training His church how to be people of faith. How we can trust the King for everything. The day's going to come with the things that's happening out there in the world, just like this deal in New Orleans and all other places, you and I, it wouldn't have made no difference what we should have been able to have been there or anywhere else and that kind of devastation come and it should not have touched us. Do you know, I'm going to tell you, if you were a man or a woman of faith walking in total obedience to God's Word and if you had left your house and went somewhere else when that storm came, and you said, now, Lord, I, I am walking in obedience to your word. I am walking in total faith. You said that no devastation shall come to my house. So I am asking you to send warring angels to walk over, watch over my home. And when I come back, I don't want nothing to be wrong with my house. In the name of Jesus. Wouldn't it have been awesome if you'd have went away and the storm had to come and that had flooded and they'd have had a cameras, they said, we do not understand why this house, there's water eight feet deep and a wall of water, but it's six foot from this house all the way around and not one drop of water and we don't see nothing holding the water back. Can you imagine that? I mean, that did you know one time in New Orleans years ago, when a good friend of mine, he worked for me down there in operation. I built a building down there many, many years ago, probably 35 years ago. And this one young man worked for me down there. And when they had that storm, I don't even remember the name of it now, but it was a big one that come across there. And it done a whole lot of damage to Florida. And it come right on across and it come right into New Orleans. And it, it did a whole lot of damage, not near what this one did, but it done a lot of damage. And when I heard he was going to come there, I called him. And his name was Bruce. I said, Bruce, I know you're a fairly new Christian. I had really been teaching him the Word of God as he worked for me. I told him, I said, the Lord says in His Word that if two of us on earth agree about anything we ask Him for, it shall be done for us by our Father which is in heaven. And that's in Matthew 18, 19. I said, I'm going to ask the Father in Jesus' name to watch over you and your family and protect your house, and there'd be no damage to your home. And I said, he's going to do it. I guarantee it, because he made the promise. I said, now you just stay in your home. I mean, it was not supposed to. I think the winds were only going to be 120 or something like that, or 110. Nothing like this one that just came through. But Bruce called me a couple of days after it hit. He said, Thurman, it's the most awesome thing I ever saw. He said, the house in front of me is a concrete slab. The house behind me, only half of it's left. And he said, I didn't lose a single shingle on my house. I mean, that's where, that's the just you're supposed to live by faith. 
Now then, if you don't know how to live by faith, can you imagine if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't know how to walk by faith? You know what had happened to them? Them boys would have been crispy critters. That's what they'd have been. They'd have been a crispy critter. I mean, you know, like you understand crispy cream donuts? You know, that wouldn't have been that kind of crispy cream. It'd have been crispy critters. But they knew how to walk by faith, didn't they? And then boys walked through the fire, and guess who showed up in the fire with them? The king. Now, when you walk in faith, the king will show up to watch over his word, to perform his word. You've got to learn to walk by faith as a church. Faith is the answer to all of our problems. Now then, let's see which one we're down to. Uh, we're oh, question. Somebody had a question. Do what, sir? A testimony? Oh, sure. Let me get you a mic. Hold on just a second. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. We always in Bible study got time for testimonies. Glory to God. There you go. Uh, my my nephew. They they lived in Biloxi. Okay. He is a doctor, and uh, they left their home. When they came back, it happened just like you said. Everybody's house was destroyed by their house. I mean, they they stood on the Word of God and uh-huh. and everything, and they live in Biloxi. Yeah. And they come up here, and then when they went back, everybody else's house around them was destroyed, but theirs is not hurt. Yeah, exactly. Isn't God awesome? Yeah. Praise the Lord. And that's that's your uncle or who? Yeah, my, my nephew. Oh, your nephew. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, now see, here's the first hand case yeah. right here. Yeah. I, I hear the man told me that the other day, but this is great when we have one of these stories firsthand from a from a relative. Yeah. And it also happened to me in 1989. Uh, I was living in an apartment right here in Dallas on in, on Northwest Highway. The whole apartment bed now bed, bed mine. There were eight, 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 uh, eight apartments in that in that unit, and the water jumped over mine, and went to the it started at the end of, of the at the east end of the apartment, and um, mine was uh, fed to the end. There were eight eight uh, different different apartments in the in the unit. And when it came to mind, the, the fire jumped around and went to the next one, burned it down completely. And my house, none, none of my uh, clothes, nothing was burned up. Praise the Lord. Amen. All the rest of them were burned. But yours wasn't hurt. But you were standing on the Word, right? Amen. Now see, the, amen. this is what I'm talking about when I say we, the church, need to learn how to walk by faith. In other words, you don't go by what you see. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if they went by what they saw, they'd have lost it. I mean, you know, if you're looking at a furnace that's so hot that anybody even gets close to it, they die. You don't go by what you see. You walk by faith. If a fire is burning all the apartments around you, you don't go by what you see, do you, brother? You stand on the Word of God. Woo! Praise the Lord. Nothing burn up in your place. Praise the Lord. Woo! By faith. The just shall live by faith. This is what we can do by faith. I get tickled at different people that tell me stories, you know, about one of the gentlemen here that comes to Bible study. He said that uh, he's a police officer, and since he's learned these things, he said that the other day he was in a chase somewhere in Dallas. And he was having all kinds of trouble. The guy was weaving in and out. And he thought, my goodness, at first he's saying, this guy's going to kill somebody. 
And then he happened to think, what am I saying? No, he's not going to kill somebody. Lord, he said, put him somewhere under a truck or something. Stick him somewhere, but stop him in Jesus' name. He said, the guy, after I thanked the Lord, made one more turn run right in on the back of a truck and stuck him dead still. <laughs> Stopped his car. He got out and said, yes, Lord, thank you. I see as long as he's driving down the road confessing, that guy's going to sideswipe somebody. He's going to kill somebody. All of his confession was wrong, wasn't it? But when he confessed right, he said he went around one corner, run right under the back of an 18-wheeler, the trailer, and stuck that car up under there. Didn't do no damage hardly at all to the truck, tore the guy's car all to pieces. But let me tell you, put him out of business. See, that's the way, to, that's the way we as Christians should pray. Lord, send an angel, take that guy out. Right here in Jesus' name. It's amazing what we can do when we believe these promises of God. And this is where the church is supposed to be living. We're supposed to be walking by faith. There's not supposed to be any sin among us either. Now, that's another place we really mess up. No sin. The church doesn't believe she can walk with no sin. Or the church believes a little sin here, a little lying over here, a little adultery over here, or a little fornication over here, or a little stealing from your company over here, all that's okay, God understands. But no, 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 He doesn't understand. All that sin, all that will open the door for the devil, and that will put you out in the snake pit. And when you step out in that snake pit with them rattlesnakes, chances are you're going to get bit. So you don't want to go out there. You want to stay up here where God is, and there you stay above the snake line. Up where God is, you're above the snake line. Them critters can't get up there. You know, I don't mind walking, I mean, out there in West Texas, you know, when they're hunting the rattlesnakes. You know, I don't mind at all riding along there in a helicopter a hundred feet off the ground. You know, no problem. Don't even have to worry about where them guys are. But if you're down there on the ground, I want a pair of tall-legged boots on, I'll tell you, because... There is snakes all over the place out there in rattlesnake season. And them babies will bite you, let me tell you. And there's some big ones out there. You know, I mean, I've been out there. And when you walk around a corner and all of a sudden there's three great big rattlesnakes. It looked like you'd take a number three wash tub to cover each one of them up sitting up there. And they're big around as your arm. And they fall off of a rock. And you don't know which way they went. You know, you're, you, you can kind of be dancing around. Uh, you know what I'm com- you know where I'm coming from, right? But I've done that before too. But I've learned you don't have to worry about getting bit, bit by one of those snakes. Just don't go on a snake hunt. You know, stay at home. Let somebody else go do it. So I, w- I was only young and dumb once. You know, so I don't do that no more. I don't go snake hunting no more. So I like to stay above the spiritual snake line by walking holy before God. And then these beasts can't get us. Then he says here. In Matthew 17, 20. Now, this is an awesome, awesome statement the Lord made to us here in Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said unto them. Of course, now, the question was, Lord, why could we not heal this boy? And look what Jesus' answer was. Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith. In Matthew 17, 20. If, did you know I've come to realize that's the biggest word in the whole Bible? If, two little tiny characters. If you have faith. If you have faith. 
as a grain of mustard seed. You shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing, what? Nothing shall be impossible with you. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. The king of the universe made a statement like that to us. If you have faith and no doubt in your heart, you can speak to a mountain. And if you believe what you say shall come to pass, the mountain shall obey you or nothing shall be impossible with you. So why do we go around saying, oh, I'd love to have you come and teach a Bible study class for me. Thurman, I could never do that. Oh, I'd love to have you come out and help me pour concrete. Oh, I could never do that. Oh, I'd love to have you come over and clean up some area for me with a weed eater. I could never do that. What can you do? Complain? Well, it seemed to me like I read in the Word, whenever we grumbled and complained, God sent the serpents to bite them and kill them. I don't think He likes grumbling and complaining, do you? I don't think so. So, our confession should be, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Nothing is impossible with me. Let me tell you for sure, the difficult we do immediately, but the impossible takes just a little bit longer. Should that be our confession? I mean, if we're children of the King, we have a resource available to us that no other race of people on this earth has. And what is that resource? The King of the universe, Jesus Christ, and all of the treasures and the secrets of the universe are hidden in Him. And He's where? In us. So where's all the secrets of the universe? In us. All you got to do is talk to Him and get Him to share them with you. And then nothing shall be impossible with you. So... When he says do all things in prayer with thanksgiving, what should you do in prayer with thanksgiving? All things. Now, if you do all things in faith, you'll pray a prayer like this. Father, they've asked me to do an impossible job as far as man's concerned. I know that you can build this building for these people in record time with a record budget. Now, Lord, I'm not sure 100% what your will is about building this building. But, Lord, you know I'm your son. And I'm an obedient son, and I try to do everything I can for your glory. And you know that I will never take the glory if you allow me to build this building in record time. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you to make everything work perfect so I can build this building for these people as an engineer in record time with a record budget. And if you'll let me do it, I'll give you the glory and the praise forever. And, Lord, I'm going to believe it is your will for me to do this. So I'm going to go to work in the morning expecting miracles to start happening in Jesus' name. And walk up to the building and stand there and look at it and say, well, Lord, what are you going to do first? And all of a sudden, an electrical truck drives in. You go over and say, who are you guys? They said, well, we understand. We're looking for Thurman Scribner. Well, that's me. Well, we understood you needed some electricians to start on an electrical project on this building. I said, that's true. Who, who told you to come? Our boss. I hadn't called a person. So I take the two guys in and get them started. And then I say, well, they were going to send me one drawing the next day, express mail, get it overnight mail. So I take one drawing of a 
20,000 foot addition to an existing 25,000 foot building with no specs and only one floor plan. And I'm going to take it over to DFW Airport Planning and Zoning and lay it out on the head man's office and get him to initial it so I can start on that project. You know what the chances of that happening is? Zero. Without God, that's zero. You walk in that office and they say, well, Thurman, where's your eight sets of drawings and specs? Leave them there on the desk. We'll review them for about six weeks and we'll get back in touch with you. That's normal. But to walk in there after asking God to let you do this building in record time and to have this guy in charge of planning and zoning pencil off on one copy of one floor plan. It's okay for you to start building this building and that's all you got. Let me tell you, that's a miracle from God. But you asked and he did it and a building that should have taken six months and $1.5 million to build, we built it in six days short of two and a half months, $100,000 below the actually 1.1 million. They said, if you think there's any way you can build it with 1.1 million, do it. And I built it for 100, I built it for 1 million instead of 1.1 and did it six days short of the two and a half months they asked me to do it in because I asked Jesus to do it for me. Now then, guess who I gave the glory to? Every time they come down, couldn't believe it happened. Jesus. You always give Him the glory. Now, what we as Christians, what can we do when after we prayed? What's impossible with us after we prayed? Nothing. Nothing. But you've got to get over this mentality of, oh, woe is me. Oh, they've given me this massive project and oh, God, what am I going to do? He said, you're going to have to do the best you can with that kind of attitude because I'm not going to be there to help you. <laughs> if you ain't got no more faith in that, he said, best of luck to you. That's not what moves my hand. Faith is what moves my hand. Come to me and tell me what I said in my word. I watch over my word to perform my word. Tell me what I said and then stand back and see my glory. I love to see a trail of glory when God does things, don't you, Deborah? It's awesome. When I see as faith's children, these are the kind of things about faith they were talking about this is where you and I should live every day of our life. Every day. I mean, the other day when Cheryl, when we got the condo all cleaned up and, and fixed and everything, she said, we're going to sell it in a week. Thank you, Lord, for selling the condo. We just went out and stuck a sign in the front yard. We just had a steady stream of callers. And we've been going by and showing that condo. And I'm telling you, it's going to sell real quick. I am in complete belief that that condo is already sold. God knows who's going to buy it. He's sent the people. I know it's sold. Because he said, ask anything in his name. Two of us on earth agree about anything and it's done. So it's sold. It's a done deal. So we're going to close the deal shortly, I know. Because we agreed in prayer. And it's done. And our confession is right. So it's going to sell quickly. But it is a beautiful little condo. You know, it's nice. There's not a thing in the world wrong with it. We're not trying to cheat nobody nowhere. It's a beautiful little place. So, you don't try to sell something something wrong with. You make sure everything's perfect. I mean, everything is perfect in that little place. But by faith, nothing shall be impossible to the believers. Nothing. Don't we serve an awesome God? I mean, I love these stories that people tell, you know, about just like he said, 
the nephew uh, that down there in Mississippi that stood on the word and then went back in her house is okay. I, don't we love God? And then all the different things He'll do for us when we stand in faith. He can carry you through a burning, fiery furnace and bring you out on the other side without a smell of smoke. And He can burn the ropes off of you that they tied you up in the process. He can do all that and more because He said, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or imagine. So we're so grateful. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for this evening. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for these great and awesome promises that You've given us. And Lord, how great You are. And You are a faith God. And You're training us to be faith children. So Lord, help us to get a hold of what it is to be faith children. To walk in faith. To speak the words of God. And believe they will come to pass every time. In Jesus' name. Father, thank You. And may You bless everybody here tonight. As they go forth... Lord, may they hold fast to their confession so they can see your glory and every need they will have will be met because you promised it. And we thank you and praise you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to be prayed, yes, John? Genesis 12, 3 is the blessing of Israel. Genesis 12, 3? Praise. I knew it was right there in Genesis somewhere. Yes, John. Oh, okay. Well, happy. Uh, Sharon, I'll let Sharon tell it herself. If you want to let the... Sharon, you mind telling your testimony? Hey, praise God. Come up here, girl. She loves to give God the glory about how, boy, she, she has a powerful testimony, all right? Well, I had a back injury about oh, 30 years ago. I was in a car accident. And for 23 years, I went to the chiropractor basically every other day. I had migraine headaches. My hip wouldn't stay in place. My arm wouldn't stay in place. And um, I came here to a healing school, and they prayed for me, and I was healed instantly. That was a year and eight months ago. And I work at the chiropractor's office. That was my doctor for 23 years. And hadn't had an adjustment in a year and eight months. He's like, wow, I guess it works. And no pain or nothing since then. But you was in pain. Oh, every once in a while he tries to get me, but I don't. You ain't going there. If no it more. gets bad, I call Gloria. <laughs> hey, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Gloria, come tell the testimony about your little niece, about how the little girl, what happened, and what caused her to be dying. It was October third. She'll actually be two years this October. Um, she was in the hospital. Her mother had just had her, and she was a, a couple of days old. They let the mother go home from the hospital, and uh, when the mother went home, they called the family back to the hospital to tell them that um, she wasn't going to live because she needed a liver transplant. Well, when I received a call, I went up to the hospital, and immediately I pulled my cousin to the side, and she was in there. You know, of course, you know, they were crying. The family was up there. Everybody was crying, didn't know what to do, didn't, because they couldn't get a liver transplant. They didn't have the money, and they just didn't know what to do. Well, anyway, I put my cousin to the side and talked to her, and I said, you know, I said, Jesus came to give you life, an abundant life, but the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything that's still killing or destroying is not from your father because every perfect gift is from him. But I said, the baby is only a few days old, so she, when she was born into the world, she was born into sin, but she hadn't done anything. 
And I said, so the devil had legal right to her some way. And I said, the devil had legal right to her because of your sin. And I said, you had her out of wedlock, so they brought a curse up on you and her. And I told her, I said, you know, but if you would repent and, you know, and ask the Lord to forgive you, I said, I guarantee you I will pray the prayer of faith and God will heal the child. Well, she was crying. We were standing in the hall. She repented and everything and asked the Lord to forgive her. And I went over to the window because I couldn't get to the child. But you don't have to get to him because just like the centurion servant, you know, God, Jesus sent the word. You can send the word. The word has no distance. But anyway, I touched the window and I told the devil his legal right from that child has been broken. And I took authority over him in the name of Jesus and command him to let that child go. And I asked the Lord to give her a new liver and heal her from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. And she is beautiful. I mean, she's just running around. And, How long did and, it take to heal her? Oh, just like that. One God hour. did it. I mean, a few hours later, I left the hospital, and a few hours after that, I received a call. The doctors couldn't find anything wrong with her. They released her the next morning. And every time she get a, a, a snivel or call or anything, I just when I'm over to their house, I just take authority over, and she just she's beautiful. She's just running around, two years perfect. Old. She'll be two years old October third. Hey, praise the King, glory. Thurman was talking to us this evening about the fact that you never know when God's going to answer your prayers. You don't know how long it's going to take. When I was 24 years old, my family went through a divorce. My brother was very bitter, and I prayed that one day he would be able to let go of his hatred so where our new family, he wouldn't be a negative influence on it. And once I prayed it, I just let go of it, and I went on about my business. Nine years later, when I was making some transitions and and moving back to Texas, all of a sudden I became ill instantaneously, had to be rushed to the hospital, they had to do exploratory surgery, and of course I came through the surgery, great, and then whenever my brother came to see me in the hospital, he was only there for about two minutes, but during that time, I was unaware of what he saw, and what he saw was the woman that he had this hatred in his heart for standing beside me with a look of concern on her face. This was nine years after I prayed my prayer. I went home not ever knowing what had happened. Uh, She was taking care of me. My brother, and let me tell you, like a lot of brothers and sisters, my brother, to have a conversation with him, you have to lock him in a speeding car and take the handles off. So I'm in bed. He comes by to see me. He's, He's very antsy, very high strung only stays for five minutes. But when I left the hospital and I came home to my father's house, I said, Lord, I know that you have picked this time to do something because who would have known that this would have happened when I was in transition from moving from California back to Texas. I had stopped just for a week or two to visit my family. So all of these things were coordinated. And I said, you know, I know that you've done something here, and I want to know what it is. My brother showed up to visit me only for five minutes, and he sat down and he said, you know, he said, when I saw her standing there with a look of concern on her face, my heart changed. He said, I will never, ever have a negative thought about this woman again. 
Amen. You never know what God's going to do, do you, Deborah? Praise the King. Wow. Anybody else want to give a testimony? We got one. If y'all want, if you want to come up here, come up here, come up here and tell us. Well, we're we're testimony time here. Praise the Lord. We we always love to hear what God's doing. So come up here. Tell us what He's doing. I'm so glad that God opened this opportunity. Because I thought, oh man, I come in here late and I wanted to testify, but thank the Lord He opened. Hey. He heard my heart. Just that be patient. Yeah, yeah, just be patient. Right. And wait on the King. <laughs> Well, what happened recently, I had um, gone to a church um, out in Plano, and um, I had been having a hard time with this hand. It just I knew it was a spirit. I didn't know what it was. I kept confessing my sin, and I kept praying over it, and I said, what is the problem? It won't go away. So I just left it alone. My back had bothered me, but I didn't really worry about that. Anyway, I went up, and uh, we were just having a, just an awesome time with the saints, just praising the Lord and... Anyway, it, immediately the devil just was mad, and it just started aching, just like out of control. I just couldn't even move it. And I said, oh, Lord, I need to get up there and get prayed for. So I went up by just faith. I just ran up there, and uh, the guy came around, and he was a prophet. And he came, and all he did, he didn't even pray. He just touched it, and then he held it again, and he twisted it, and he said, um, you're healed. And he goes, it's just a spirit. And I said, I knew that. And then as he was walking away, he said, oh, yeah, and that pain. And I didn't even tell him about my back. This is just God. He said, and that pain that's in your back, because it's, it's gone. And then he walked off and healed the next person. And I was just like, thank you, Jesus. And it's, the devil has been trying to come back and put Don't things, but I don't receive it. Mm-hmm. I don't receive Even tonight, I was back there, and I was just cursing it. I was like, you're not coming back. No. I'm healed. I'm completely healed. So Amen. I just praise God for praise that. Praise the Lord. You stand on his word, young lady. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I guess about 10 months ago, I guess, I guess about 10 months ago, I, I went through some difficult financial difficulty and uh, had to sell my car, and I sold it to my grandmother, and uh, she in turn gave it to my uncle, uh, who was no good and, and really messed it up. Uh, on Friday night, uh, I got wind that he was in jail. And uh, my mother says, you need to call your grandmother because she is not going to get that car out of the pound. She's just going to leave it there. And, uh, you know, she's not going to give him any more money because he's really drained her. And so I called my grandmother and I said, Grandmother, you said, are you going to leave that car there? And she says, I'm going to leave it there because, you know, I don't, I'm tired of giving him money and tired of, of bailing him out and doing all this stuff. She said, if you go get that car out, she said, it is yours. I don't want anything. Just take it, you know. Uh, so I called, and they said, it'd, you know, it would be $320, and I had exactly that amount left after paying the bills and all this stuff, uh, paying everything. I, I might have had $2 left in the bank. Uh, and so my mom uh, took me up there, and I got the car out, and, and it needs a little work now, you know, a little more than what it, it had. But I hadn't had a car in all this time, and so uh, I had been praying about it and praying about it, and I guess the Lord answered my prayers, and, you know, there is the car, you know, and, and so now I have a vehicle, and I'm very happy. Hey. Somebody had told you you were going to get that. Back. Oh, and, and and somebody did did tell me that that I would get that car back, uh, and told me just to pray on it, and and, and it, it happened, you know, and it, it happened. So Believe. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Believe the Lord, right, young lady? Amen. Let, let me add so I'm sorry. Okay. Let me add something else. So I just told her recently. Um, someone had told her 
that they were going to help her fix all the repairs on the car. And then um, later on, they kind of uh, renegotiated and told her, oh, I'm not going to be able to give you the money like I told her. And I said, you know what, when the moment, because I was there when he confessed to her, oh, yeah, I'm going to help you with this car and everything. And that night I went home. I said, Lord, as he said it, let it be done. So I told her today, when she told me again, that he said, oh, I'm not going to be, you know, he reneged on it. He said, I'm not going to help her with the money. And I said, you know what? God is going to bless this man, and he's going to give uh, a good money. I'd have, the Lord had told me he was going to go ahead and give her, he was going to get blessed with a check. It's just God was just going to bless him with a check, and he was going to get that car. And I told her, don't worry about it. You stand on faith. God already revealed it. He said that if the guy said he was going to do it, even if he's an unrighteous man, and he said it, I told God, God, now you move through that man, and you cause him to bless her, because he said he was going to bless her. And so when he said that, God was going to honor that and I said God you're going to do that so I told her just wait and I believe the next time we come up we'll have a testimony I know we're going to have a testimony he's going to give the money to Amen. praise the Lord <laughs> Amen. that's the way to do it All right. oh. yeah. this, this, is, this just happened this week um, years ago my daughter did some things that hurt me so bad that I I really was hurting for so much so much and so long that eventually my spirit I just I closed up you know how when you hurt so bad you just you just kind of close up and, and so you don't feel you get kind of numb and then it's after a while it's, it's really hard to love again uh, not that you don't want to, you just all closed up, and my my chest, you know, would hurt, and I would want to feel these things, feel again, you know, and I I wanted to love and and praise God with all my heart, but it just felt like I was all blocked up in my chest, and. Uh, so I, uh, I I asked the God God to to heal that and so that I can love 100 percent again. Not, I mean, you know, it's not that I wasn't trying to love, but there was always a little, you know, it, there was just always a little bit of numbness in there. And uh, he finally he finally broke through. Broke through, Amen. and it is like I'm I'm released. <laughs> I'm I just feel like I have ten times the love that I had a week ago, Amen. and I thought I mean, and I thought that praise was, the Lord, <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I just want to thank you for that. Amen. Oh, amen. Praise the Lord. I guess so. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. If there's no others, well, if you need to be prayed for, if you want to come up here, if you'll believe God, He'll heal you. So, we'll, oh, you got a last statement? Um, yeah, I've been volunteering, volunteering over at the Salvation Army um, Relief, you know, for the Hurricane Relief. And um, they're, they don't need any clothes or anything. What they need is like canned goods, 
like tuna fish, uh, yeah, tuna fish, and you know, corn and green beans, and and anyway, uh, they're collecting it over at um, Texas Stadium. They're using the stadium as a collection point. So, if you guys have anything, you know, things like that, that's what they really need. And I'm also understanding that they really need deodorant. <laughs> it seems like nobody's, you know, contributing deodorant. So um, I'm just asking that we will, you know, not just get over it real fast and forget about these people because they really do need these things. Yeah, a quarter million people need not, a lot of No money. clothes. They don't need any clothes. All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you and praise you for the day. We ask you to bless everybody this week as they go forth. May we be used of you for your glory. And thank you, Father, for all the wonderful things, all these wonderful testimonies, all the things you do for us as your children. Lord, if we would only believe, nothing shall be impossible. So we thank you for your promises. In Jesus' name, amen.